I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. The San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency has made a lot of changes to the city's streets during the pandemic, delighting some residents while angering others. The latest hubbub is over the agency's plans to add HOV lanes to highways in the city, including through Golden Gate Park and on Lombard Street. Ricardo Cano is the Chronicle's new transportation reporter and is just two weeks into the job. He's joining me to talk about why there are so many transit-related fights in the city right now and how his quest to find an apartment in the Bay Area is going. Ricardo Cano, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. It's your very first appearance on Fifth and Mission, so welcome to the podcast, and most importantly, welcome to the Chronicle. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, just a big <laughs> fan of a lot of folks' work here, so I'm, I'm very thrilled and excited to, to join the team. Well, we're happy to have you, and you're covering a subject that's very interesting to me. Um, as a San Francisco resident who rides public transit, and you are going to be following the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, as well as other transportation issues. So um, you have an interesting story out now about um, the agency's efforts to create HOV lanes. And first off, what is an HOV lane? Sure. So um, it's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, uh, a lane dedicated to vehicles carrying uh, two or more people uh, in, in the car. And so, um, that's, uh, the proposal, one of the proposals that, uh, the Muni board is going to be, um, taking a look at in Tuesday's board meeting, um, Mm -hmm. whether to, uh, implement temporary HOV lanes on highways one and 101, uh, cutting through, uh, Golden Gate Park and the Richmond district and on Lombard street. And the thinking of this is it's part of a broader effort by the agency to uh, implement uh, transit-only lanes, HOV lanes that help uh, buses get through the city a lot quicker. With the pandemic, there's restrictions in terms of how many people can ride the buses with social distancing, and that undercuts mm-hmm. you know the the agency's ability to transport more people at a time. And so uh, they're viewing this uh, partly as a way to to uh, maintain reliability, improve reliability uh, during a time where they're, they're, they're hampered by how many people they can be taking at a time. And so in HOV lanes, is it only buses or can any vehicle with more than one person be in the lane? This would include uh, vehicles with more than one person, as well as uh, obviously, uh, the their thinking in mind uh, is to prioritize public transit. Um, mm-hmm. But this would be uh, these lanes would be open to cars that have more than um, you know one person, and that's part of the data that the agency is pointing to as as something that you know isn't gonna isn't going to uh, rattle uh, <laughs> uh, um, commuters' experiences mm-hmm. through these corridors. Uh, according to Muni, 34% of uh, cars going through these corridors uh, are already, you know, high occupancy vehicle uh, cars. And so uh, their um, their projection is that it's not going to have, you know, it's not going to have much of an impact to commuters writ large. Okay. And would these be permanent or temporary? That's that's the, the big question. I feel that... Um, Muni is is grappling with not just with um, these uh, uh, emergency 
transit-only lanes and HOV lanes, but with other pandemic-era programs mm-hmm. that it implemented, such as slow streets. Right now, um, we're seeing the city and the region begin to reopen more uh, to sustain those reopenings. Tr- car traffic has gone up. And so uh, I feel like we're at a moment right now where, um, you know, the city and the agency are trying to figure out, you know, what what is going to stay and what is going to go and what's going to change entirely. And that's right. that's part of uh, this process right now. So these are uh, temporary, you know, in, in practice, these these HOV lanes, these um, uh, transit only lanes that they've implemented, uh, they're supposed to just automatically go away uh, 120 days after the city ends its uh, emergency order. But the Muni board is going to be considering uh, in the coming weeks whether to make some of these projects permanent, mm-hmm. notably um, the transit-only lanes that they implemented in downtown Mission uh, and others. Yeah. And I know that a lot of residents don't like these changes. Um, I and some others feel that there's the silver linings of the pandemic, especially the car-free streets like JFK and Golden Gate Park and the Great Highway and um, slow streets. But a lot of people don't like them and are fighting um, for Muni to get rid of them. And I, I know you're new to covering this issue, but um, I wondered if you have any thoughts on why they are proving to be so controversial, because you'd kind of think that San Francisco is full of environmentalists who would support you know, um, car-free streets and other um, pandemic silver linings, but um, a lot of people don't like them. <laughs> right. And um, this is what, uh, you know, frankly, makes it such a such an exciting moment to be covering transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does feel like uh, what, what we're seeing play out right now are the, ident- you know, uh, uh, dual identities of the city uh, and region uh, clashing with each other. Um, how accessible is the city going to be to cars? Uh, even before the pandemic, uh, you know, an overwhelming majority of people got around using their own, you know, using cars as as opposed to public transportation. And, you know, on the flip side of things, how, how much of the city is going to be, uh, you know, uh, friendly to to pedestrians, to bicyclists? Um, you know, there seems to be a lot of support uh, and just a lot of... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, people like slow streets, people mm-hmm. like car free JFK drive. Um, and so, uh, you know, these issues are going to play out in the coming weeks and months and how they play out, I feel, could uh, very well determine what the fabric of the city is going to be in the you know decade or decades to come. Um, so you're going to be very busy is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I know that you looked into a dust up over, um, over slow streets in the Sunset District in particular. That kind of got Twitter all a flutter in San Francisco about a week ago when Supervisor Gordon Marr uh, tweeted that he was going to be directing um, Muni to remove slow streets near schools in the Sunset because principals didn't want them there as schools began reopening. And, and you learned that that wasn't necessarily the case. It was some miscommunication. Can you clarify what happened? Yeah. Um, so I reached out to the MTA when it happened and um, there were rumblings on Twitter, right, that uh, 
there were there you know pe- people showing pictures of streets without uh, slow street signage or um, you know uh, feeling like the 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 city was already in the process of undoing some of that and so I reached out to them uh, and uh, their spokesperson chalked it up to a miscommunication um, by that Sunday. Uh, the signage was still in place. Um, no changes have been made to uh, the slow streets in the Sunset District. Um, and the Muni staff was monitoring uh, how how student drop-offs and pickups were going. And, um, you know, from their perspective, they, they didn't encounter any problems. Um, but uh, again, you know, that that's a remnant of normal life that's come back to the city, right? You know, doing school in person after more than a year. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, it just seems like another uh, a case study in terms of how the city is adjusting to, again, these dual uh, roles that, that um, you know, uh, it has to grapple with. Right. I think it kind of boils down to whether it makes sense to continue some of the good work done during the pandemic, even when school is back in session and cars are back on the streets and people are returning to their offices. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, But since this is your first appearance on Fifth and Mission, I wanted to let listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, So where were you working before joining the Chronicle? Uh, Yeah, I I was um, covering K-12 education. Uh, for Cal Matters, um, a relatively uh, new uh, journalism nonprofit. I like to joke that um, uh, you know Cal Matters uh, was if, if Cal Matters was a child, um, it would just barely miss the cutoff for transitional kindergarten. So um, <laughs> I covered policy statewide, covered how school reopenings were playing out across the state, just the uh, mm-hmm. very uneven picture. Um, that has played out this past year. Uh, and before that, I was at the Arizona Republic. But, um, you know, I'm a California native. Uh, I was born in the Central Valley, raised in the Central Valley, and um, just uh, really excited to to join the Chronicle and um, tell the story of the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, what was it like to start a new job during a pandemic when you can't get into the newsroom and can't meet your colleagues face to face? Oh, man. Uh it it kind of hurts a little because um, <laughs> you know uh, I, I um, I've had I've been very fortunate to just meet as many new faces in the newsroom um, at, during the last few weeks and that's just been uh, a tremendous experience getting to meet people who you know you you know their byline you're familiar with their work you really admire the work that they do and just to be able to uh, you know chat with them and pick their brain about. Uh, how do how do you cover transportation here um, uh, was incredible, but um, you know I'm I'm <laughs> very much a, a creature of the newsroom, and I, I miss just being uh, in in the you know in an office where uh, you know people the 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 uh, circadian rhythm of the of the newsroom and the news you know can just be you know felt in the air. So mm-hmm. uh, I re- I really miss that, and uh, hopefully you know there's an opportunity to. Um, resume to some semblance of that, obviously, um, you know, making sure that public health conditions allow for that. Right. And I know you live in Madeira now, and you're doing the dreaded job of trying to find an apartment in San Francisco. So what has that been like? Uh, Fun. (laughs) What? Nobody ever says that. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, fun in the sense that um, uh, it's it's, uh, exciting to, you know, 
come to the Bay Area, we, we've written stories about how a lot of folks are, are leaving San Francisco and the Bay Area to other places. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just can't think of a better time, a better moment to, to be uh, living in the Bay Area, to be living in San Francisco. And um, I'm very fortunate that this is a beat that, um, you know, you can see it, you can hear it, you can smell it, you know, uh, and I, I just look forward to being part of, um, you know, that ecosystem where, uh, I'm, you know, part of my job is to ride public transit and, and mm-hmm. write about it. So that's, that's very exciting. And have you found any promising apartments? Uh, still looking, you know, um, uh, just my observation, uh, with <laughs> a little data to back it up, but it does seem like, um, apartments, um, in San Francisco and the Oakland, uh, you know, and, and Oakland East Bay, uh, there's very little, <laughs> um, difference. Like they're both expensive, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, getting closer and, and I, I plan to be there next month. Cool. And how do you plan to get around? Will you be driving, biking, walking, riding the bus, riding BART, all of the above? All of the above, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, uh, Definitely, you know, want that to be part of, um, you know, my lifestyle just because it will, um, you know, inform a lot about uh, uh, the beat and, and you know, the st- frankly, the stories that, that I will uh, find just, mm-hmm. just experiencing public transit in the Bay Area. So uh, definitely plan to be riding on BART. Um, my first indoctrination to the Bay Area was taking BART uh, with my dad and my brother catching a Warriors game. Uh, in the early part of last decade, back when the Warriors weren't all that great. so <laughs> Awesome. And how much time have you spent in San Francisco? Um, you know, I've, I've had friends. I've visited friends. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I only, um, you know, I can only speak about my experience from a, from a tourist perspective, you know. Um, and so uh, just uh, I, I can't wait to get there and, and be able to call myself a, a you know, a resident. Cool. And then um, if you want to turn the tables on me, you can ask me anything you want to about San Francisco. I will let you do that in a rare, rare moment on Fifth Admission. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> well, um, what do you what do you love and, and what don't you love about the city? Um, you know, I'm curious to just get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I think the pandemic has really highlighted both for me, what I love and what I don't love. So um, I think just the beauty of the city, I've done a ton of walking and exploring and riding my bike more than normal and just getting out and um, taking adventures all over San Francisco since we weren't really supposed to go (laughs) anywhere else. And so just appreciating the parks. I love Golden Gate Park. I love JFK Drive. I want it to stay car free. Um, Love the great highway and the beach and, um, just how stunning and gorgeous it is. The food and the people are so creative. Um, The independent small businesses are amazing. Green Apple Books, you've got to go there if you haven't. Um, The independent movie theaters, um, the neighborhoods, it kind of feels like a bunch of small towns just um, side by side. So that is all amazing. Um, I cover City Hall a lot and I don't love (laughs) the way the politicians operate, which you are going to learn. they're very slow. Um, they never met a task force or a commission they didn't like. It's just let's talk more about 
this issue and maybe in um, three years or five years we'll have an answer. So I think there's just so many emergencies facing us now, like um, homelessness and the housing crisis, affordability crisis, drug overdoses, that I wish that they would act more quickly. So that's my summation. Well, thank you for delving in. I mean, <laughs> I just follow your work. So <laughs> I'm excited to awesome. work with well, you. I look forward to meeting you in person and I will take you on um, Muni anytime. Thank you, Heather. Thank you to Ricardo Cano for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 